Let us continue worshiping the Word of God. Turn with me to Romans chapter 1, verse 16 through 17. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Amen. Praise the Lord. Good to be here. Continuing with a series on gospel, uh, we have been studying the gospel in depth through exceeding John chapter 3, verse 16 for last few weeks. Uh, today we'll delve into thinking about the principles of the gospel. We'll move into talking about the principles of the gospel. When we think about the gospel, what is gospel? Gospel is the message of God, the message of Jesus Christ. Gospel is about who Jesus is, what Jesus taught. It's all about Christ and his love for the world. It is a message of love of God toward God's people. It says, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes him shall not perish but have eternal life. Jesus Christ died on the cross as the ultimate atonement sacrifice for the world and whoever believes in that message in the person of Jesus Christ God saves and starts up a new life in the believers through the relationship with Him. And it's all about knowing God, ourselves, and enjoying the very purpose of creation, loving and being loved by God, living a victorious life, and worship God. That is the summary of the gospel. And we are to live by the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ, we are to live for the gospel, for the proclamation of the person of Jesus Christ and his kingdom. And we are to cherish and serve the gospel ministry, which is to expand God's kingdom as we share the gospel, preach the gospel to the world. So gospel, it's really the core foundation of our faith. It's all about Jesus Christ. As we read, he said that Paul wrote, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And interestingly, I kind of mentioned this before and previously, but if you look at also 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, he also mentioned this same phrase, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Romans chapter 1, verse 6, verse 6 17, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Throughout entire life, Paul lived by the gospel, lived for the gospel, and he was serving the gospel. If you look at his life in the peak highlight of his ministry during the third missionary journey, he utters this powerful statement in Romans chapter 1 as we read, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Also, the worst condition of his life he is in prison, and he does not know when he may be put to death. And even his, some of the disciples deserted him. 
And in the prison, he writes 2 Timothy saying the same thing. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. So in the highest point of his life and the lowest point of his life, the gospel was the motto. Gospel was the core center uh, belief of Paul. All throughout his, life, throughout his life, Paul lived by the gospel. And that's what he's saying today. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God. May we also take this motto, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, into our hearts, into our lives, that we shall live by the gospel, live for the gospel, and we shall continue to serve God in that regard. Amen? Amen? Now, today, with that in mind, with that challenge in mind, as we are imitating the faith of Paul, I would like to focus on the principles of that gospel in which Paul was not ashamed of, thus he lived by so powerfully. And as we look into these principles, we will also think about the missional implications. Remember, we are trying to be missional this year. We are trying to reach out, and we have about less than two months left for this year, but we are to shine the light of Jesus Christ through preaching of the gospel as we are in this missional mode that we are to share the gospel to the people around us. So we will think about the missional implications as we go through the principles of the gospel. Amen? Are you ready? First, let's think about the principle of the gospel. First principle, I think most important principle is this. Gospel is the power of God. Gospel is the power of God. Gospel does not depend on us. Gospel is not depending upon human might. It's actually upon the power of God. And that is the foundation, in a way, for the principle of the gospel. As the gospel is about God, who saves people from captivity of sin and death, it's really all about God, what God is doing through Jesus Christ. That's what gospel is all about. The purpose of the gospel is the salvation, and history clearly proves over and over again this simple truth. Revelation 7.10 Salvation belongs to our God. God is the author and perfecter of the gospel. His gospel starts with God and ends with God. He's the one who gives us the good news through His Son, Jesus Christ. He's the one who created this world, and He's the one who is redeeming this fallen, created world. And that's what the message of the gospel is about. Thus, the gospel is the power of God for salvation of everyone who believes. It is the power of God. Now, you might think, how powerful is the gospel? When we say gospel is power of God, why do we say that? Of course, it's the message of Jesus. Gospel is really about Christ, and it is powerful. But specifically, let's think about how gospel is the power of God. Three things. The reason that it's the power of God is that the gospel is the, it has a power to change three most essential and fundamental components of human lives. Three things. First thing that gospel changes is this. Gospel actually redefines Identity first, okay. 
Oh, gospel, in, gospel actually redefines our identity. If you think about it, we are in through the gospel, we are the children of living God in Christ Jesus. John chapter 1, verse 12, it says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Whoever believes in Jesus Christ become, becomes the child of God. And you and I, we have to clearly understand, our identity is not defined by the society defined by this government, defined by our parents? No. Our, our culture, our nationality? No, our identity is de defined, I should say, redefined by the gospel. We are the children of God. We have to understand that very clearly. We are people of God. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are a child of God. And what does gospel does? Gospel redefines our identity. Secondly, why the gospel power of God? Because gospel actually uh, uh, rewires our duty. Rewires our duty. Let me explain. As our destiny has changed, as our identity is redefined, now our life purpose has been completely rewired for the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is our purpose and our identity. Because we, we are, the kingdom of God is our duty, I mean. Why? Because as a child of God, as children of God, now we are not living for our own good. We're not living for American dream. We're actually living for the gospel, the kingdom of God. We're living for the kingdom dream, Jesus Christ. No wonder Matthew 6, verse 33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then everything shall be added unto you. As the prisoner of Jesus Christ, Ephesians 4, 1, it says, I urge you to live a life worthy of calling you have received, that your duty as a people of God has rewired. We don't live for ourselves. We don't live for our family. We don't live for our children. We live for Christ and what he's doing in this world. The very reason that the church also exists is that we are actually to expand the kingdom of God. We are not just here to feel good about ourselves or be blessed by God. Of course, that is very important. But ultimately, the very purpose of the church existence is to be missional, to become the missionary of God to preach the gospel to the world. So if we do not do that, we are in, actually in trouble. But the gospel is a power of God because it rewires our uh, duty. So it redefines our identity, it rewires our duty. Third, the reason, third thing that gospel does is this. Powerfully, it actually redetermines our destiny. Redetermines our destiny. Actually, I want to point out this one first. I kind of reversed it. The gospel redetermines our destiny. That gives us the new identity, and that gives us our, that rewires our duty. So first, the, 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 but, but the very important point is the gospel redetermines our destiny. My brothers and sisters, we were destined to die due to our sinful nature. We are to judge by God and condemned by God because of our sin. That was our destination. As a matter of fact, that's the destination of humanity, that we will all end up being accountable to what we do in life. 
All of us, we need to take account for what we have done in this life. And the judgment is waiting for all of us. But through Jesus Christ, the way our destiny has been completely changed. We are now destined to share the glory of God in Christ Jesus. Why? Because Christ has received the judgment, punishment, and condemnations for in behalf of us. That's the message of the gospel. It determines our destiny. No longer we have to really worry about God's wrath and judgment. Condemnation no longer we are under. We are in Christ Jesus. That is the power of the gospel. It determines our destiny. Hebrew writers wrote this in Hebrew chapter 9, verse 27 and 28. Just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ has sacrificed once to take away sins of many, and he will appear a second time not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Very powerful words, isn't it? God has given us the Spirit as deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Thus we know this is true. Christ shall come to judge the world. At the same time, He will come to save those who, who believe in His message. The gospel is the power of God because it has power to redetermines, redetermine our destiny. Amen? That is why it's so powerful, my brothers and sisters. That's why we shall, we shall never be ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God to change our destiny, our identity, our duty as people of God. Amen? Knowing that, under that principle, the gospel is the power of God. What is the missional implication for us? If you know that is the power of God, as we share and preach the gospel, we should do it with such a conviction because it is a power of God, don't you think? We should preach the gospel with conviction. We should share the gospel with such conviction that it is the power of God. When you introduce gospel to someone, when you share your life, you know, people know if you are really convicted by what you are saying or what you are presenting. If you don't have that kind of conviction and you're just doing it, doing it just some kind of robotic or mechanical way, oh, you're sharing the four spiritual laws and, and you talk about that, people know. But if you truly preach or share the gospel with such conviction that you believed in this, that it is a power of God, imagine the impact. See, God uses not just the gospel message, but convicted message of the gospel. Gospel preachers, all of us, should always share the gospel with such conviction. Amen. That's the missional implication for all of us to take. Preach or share the gospel with conviction.
conviction. Everyone say conviction. Let's talk about the second principle. Second principle of gospel is this. Gospel is relevant. Gospel is relevant. Gospel is a complete view of life which covers all conceivable eventualities, according to Martin Lloyd-Jones. It covers all conceivable eventualities. Gospel is relevant. My brothers and sisters, gospel is not merely a matter of ethics or conduct or morality or behavior. Gospel is not like that. So many people think that Christian is just a man who tries to live a good life and who does not do certain things and who tries to do to others. It is just do's and don'ts. That's what we understand, or that's what the world understands about Christianity or the gospel. But gospel is more than just abstract idea. It's more than just ethics, more than just conduct or morality or behavior. It is a power of God. Of course, we talked about that. But it's more than that. It is a total view that enables me to view life and death and all things and to do so victoriously. It's a total view of life. That's what gospel actually is. The, but Jesus said, the truth shall set you free. If you know the truth, you will set you free, right? If you know the truth and reality of this life through the lens of gospel, I mean, only way that we can understand true reality is through the gospel. What's the true reality of people? What's the true reality of the problems? It's the heart problem, sin problem. Gospel directly deals with that. He directly leads people into actual reality. It's not just psychological. It's not just physical. There's a spiritual death, death occurring, already has done because of sin. That's what the gospel says. Only way that we can be saved is not to save ourselves. We need to always look for a savior who's outside of us to come to us and to help us and to save us. It's really dealing with the reality of humanity. Gospel is relevant. The message of the gospel deals with the hearts of people, deals with the sins of this world, deals with the, the God's salvation, Therefore, it's really, really relevant to all of us. It's really about the way of life. It's about relationship with the real person. It's really about who we are and who we are in God. Especially we are living in this world. It's politically so charged, culturally so confused religiously so deceived how are we going to deal with this only the way that we can deal with the such issues of human fallenness human sin human problem is through the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ no wonder is relevant 2,000 years ago, the gospel was given. As a matter of fact, the theme of the gospel was also given from the very beginning of the time. And then that's some other time that I can, I can probably talk about this. But we know that 
for the Christ came 2,000 years ago. And some people say, how does the message of Jesus Christ really relevant to 21st century? And it does. Still so powerfully, powerfully speaks to the hearts of people because it deals with our core identity as a people. It deals with our core problem, which is sin. It deals with our own existence. Sin, death, life, salvation, God, relationships. Amen. That is why we know gospel is relevant. Now, knowing that gospel still applies to all of us today, 21st century, even the first century. And it's going to continue to be relevant to the people. Why? Because we are in need of salvation. We're in need of Savior. We are still in the problem in this fallen world. The message of the gospel is relevant. What's the implication then, missional implication for us? We shall share or preach the gospel with confidence. With confidence. Amen? We are not just introducing some kind of good ideas to these people. We are not just introducing some kind of abstract idea or philosophical idea. No. We are not just giving some kind of psychological clutch for them to depend on. No. We are actually giving the relevant, the message of life, of salvation. Preach it. Share it with confidence. Everyone needs the gospel. We, as much as we need the gospel, everyone needs gospel. Amen. Amen. Share it with confidence. If you look at the first church in the book of Acts, they were so confident to the point that they gave their lives to share the gospel. They were willing to die. How confident are you in terms of the relevance of the gospel? They said, I'd rather die. I'm more than happy to die for this cause of the gospel. Powerful, isn't it? They were so confident. Do you have that kind of confidence? It is a relevant message. It is the most important message. Third principle. Gospel is not only the power of God or relevant, it's actually realistic. Realistic. Gospel is not merely vague, a message of comfort and cheer. It does not merely help us by helping us to forget about our troubles and our problems. Some think we are happy just because we have been drugging ourselves with the good stories of the gospel. I was talking to some of the non-Christian friends. He actually used that. You guys are just acting happy or you think you're happy. You're being deceived with these good stories. Some believe that we have stopped thinking that Christians don't think anymore. We have just indulged in a riot of imagination. 
The world says the faith is not a real thing. It's a wishful thinking. It's a fairy tale. It's like Disneyland. But did you know, my brothers and sisters, if you actually read the gospel account, it's very realistic. It deals with every single aspect of human life, including ugly parts, especially sinful life. The main characters in the apostle accounts are prostitutes, tax collectors, gangsters, sinners. Very realistic, isn't it? Christian message is very real. First of all, it's historical. It's history. It's actually happened. It's not a made-up story. These things actually happen. As a matter of fact, if you even visit Israel, that you will actually see it in your eyes. The places where Jesus was walking, eating, people were living till this day. It's a historical fact. No one denies that. It's also factual. It's not made up story, as I said. And it deals with every single day, daily life of people. That's why the characters in the Bibles are very intriguing, isn't it? They are us, basically. They are the people who lives this fallen world under the sin. But as soon as Christ shows up, everything changes. They start to see the hope and life. And as soon as they receive Jesus, man, it will change. The life is evident, real. You know, how do you know that, that the gospel is true? I think most powerful witness is the changed lives of people. Rather than just the historical factual records that we have, rather than just that, if you think about it, when people are seeing in the reality, in, in the everyday life, how do they know the gospel actually works? By looking at those people who are changed by the gospel drastically. Amen. The disciples were just like us. They were scared when Jesus was crucified. They were hiding. They even denied Jesus. And they were really just like regular people. And soon as they saw the resurrected Christ and received the Holy Spirit, look at what happened to their lives. I can tell you so many people that I see, including all of us, we weren't what we were used to be. We have changed. If I look at you, I've been, some, I've been knowing you for some of you for a long time. You have changed. Probably if I go back, I will not be, you will not be the same person. Why? Because the gospel has changed you. The most powerful way to witness to other people about the gospel is through your changed life. The way that you speak has changed. First of all, the way that you think has changed. Your perception has changed. Your behavior has changed. Your speech has changed. Your direction of life has changed. It's a real thing. We're not here to pretend our faith. Because pretension only lasts a certain period of time. There's a genuine transformation, not pretension. 
transformation actually happened to the disciples of Jesus Christ who witnessed the resurrection, who witnessed the power of the Holy Spirit in them. Thus, they, as people saw them, they were completely changed. That was the powerful message of the gospel through the life, changed lives of witnesses. How do we know the resurrection actually happened? The one of the powerful way. How do you know? look at Paul's life? Paul was a persecutor of the church. He hated the church. He thought there were cults. Remember? He was trying to get everyone, kill everyone, all the Christians. That's what he was. Because he thought, how dare you to believe some other than God than Jehovah, the Yahweh? He was a Pharisee. But what happened to him? He saw Christ. He encountered Christ. That's why he's an apostle, by the way. One of the things that you need to understand, apostleship includes experiencing Jesus. He actually saw Jesus on the way to Damascus. We all know the story. He encountered Christ. He saw Christ. And Christ says, why have you, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And you know the story. After he experienced Jesus, what happened? His life was drastically changed. And he's the one who writes to us today, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. So so many people, he was one of the scandalous uh, phenomena to a lot of people in the Jewish community because everybody knew who Paul's, Saul was. Paul was. He was a very, very uh, pre, pre, uh, the known man as a Pharisee zealous Pharisee. And all of a sudden, he became a follower of Jesus Christ. Imagine the impact. Amen? It's realistic. It's real thing, my brothers and sisters. That's why Martin Lloyd-Jones actually said this. The Christian gospel is that it works. That it is not a mere theory. But it is something which really does what he claims to do. It enables a man to live a real sense in this world. I like that. It helps us to see the reality as real, as it is, that we are all sinners. We have a problem of sin in this world. Only the way that we can receive salvation is through Jesus Christ. Amen. That's the principle, my brothers and sisters. The gospel is realistic. Now, what's the implication then? Missional implication of that. If you know that it is real, share the gospel with compassion. It can really change people. Change hurt change damaged people. He can change prideful people. We need to learn to preach the gospel because it's real and it works. We should preach it with compassion. Amen? Heart for the people. Because it's real and it deals with the reality of our lives. And when we are dealing with the reality of our 
daily lives, you know and I, you and I know, we should be compassionate toward people who do not know the gospel. Amen? Last but not least, the principle of the gospel. Gospel is not automatic. It's not automatic. First of all, it is required the sacrifice of God's Son. Right? It required the sacrifice of God's Son. It's not just came out of nowhere. It's based on the sacrifice of a son. It's not automatically just given to you. God just doesn't just say, oh, I'm just going to forgive you, every single one of you. He doesn't do that. He actually made his son an atonement sacrifice. Right? Someone had to pay. Nothing is free. It can be free. It's freely given does not mean that it's free. Freely established. Do you understand? Some people say, why does God do that? How come he can, he's a creator. He can just, just forgive everybody. Why doesn't he do that? Because he has a principle. He's holy. He has to deal with issues. The justice has to be served. That's how holiness is all about. That's how God is. And he will literally take care of everything. Every injustice happened in this world, one by one. Every act, every speech, every behavior, every crime. That's why he's God. Now, gospel was not automatically given to us. It was it required the sacrifice of God's son. He actually had to suffer and die, my brothers and sisters. Jesus actually had to suffer and die in order for the gospel to be established. Right? He actually became a man like us. Imagine the divine divinity becoming humanity. That's amazing to me. The incarnation, as well as the resurrection, but incarnation to me is more mysterious. God becoming a man. Right? The creator becoming a creature. I mean, isn't that something like resurrection? Okay, fine. Man, can, God can raise them, fine. That's, that's, that's a mystery too, but God becoming a man? Incarnation? We'll be talking about that in Christmas, right? But Christ, the incarnation, I think, is one of the beautiful and powerful mystery that we can never solve. Why did God become a man? As a matter of fact, the Bible says the angels does not understand. So why in the world God had to become a man? It's not automatic. He actually had to become a man. He humiliated himself. The Bible says. I know that some, that passage in Hebrew, people say, oh, humble himself. Yes, humble. But if you look into actual understanding, he humiliated himself to become a man. That's the first thing. You require the sacrifice of son. Secondly, gospel is not automatic because the Christian message is not something that acts automatically without our doing anything at all about it. 
Somehow we think the gospel will work if we just expose it. If we are just exposed to it, somehow we will grow. That's why people come to church and say, Oh, I'm going to church, I'm fine, right? Do you think it's that automatic? The faith is automatic? Just because you're coming to church and you know and I know? I made that statement. Maybe some of the people who are listening to the, listening to the podcast might be offended, but I believe so many spiritually retarded people in the church today, especially in the Western context. We come to church thinking that automatically we will be somehow changed. We think that everything is just going to be given to us in our convenient culture, right? And it's all about convenience, isn't it? Even the worship time, the way we do. We have to really rethink about this, these things, my brothers and sisters, because gospel is not automatic. Just because you're exposed to the gospel it does not mean that you will work in you. Right? It does not work automatically, but by making us think, by making us apply the message. It means, what does it require? It requires faith. Everyone say faith. Gospel is power of God for who? For everyone? No. Everyone who believes. Those who actually believe in the gospel, it is the power of God. That means for those who do not believe, it's not the power of God. Paul actually puts in this way in, the, in his one of his epistles. What? The message of the cross is the foolishness of men. No, the message is the foolishness to all the men who, does, who do not believe. Non-Christians, the message of the cross is the one of the foolish thing that you can ever accept into or receive. But we know for those who believe, the message of the cross, the gospel, is the only way. Amen. It is the power of God. So don't you ever think, my brothers and sisters, gospel is automatic. It is not. It requires faith. Unless we surrender to it, make it our own, and digest it, it's not going to have an effect on us. So many people in the church today think that somehow they are doing better living out the gospel or Christian life without surrendering themselves to the message, the word of God, the gospel. We must choose to embrace the message. We must to live out the message by faith. We must open your heart so that the message can be implanted in your heart, imparted in your heart that transforms us meaning application is required. James talks about this in the book of, right? The book of James talks about this. The faith without deed is that if you truly believe the gospel, let us apply the gospel. Let us live by the gospel. What's the missional implication of if gospel is not automatic, we must preach or share the gospel with clarity. With clarity. 
so many people today are influenced by prosperity, prosperity gospel or watered-down gospel. And that's why one of the reasons why we started this series on the gospel was to really make sure that all of us, as we are becoming more missional as the church of Christ, we really need to understand clearly. We, are, we should share the full gospel. I'm not talking about the denomination here. I'm talking about complete gospel, total gospel as it is. Amen? Very important. With clarity. Don't just expose people with the gospel thinking that you have done your part. No. We are to help them to understand the gospel. Help them to live out the gospel. Right? We'll talk about this, but if you think about the great commission of Jesus Christ, what was the great commission of Jesus Christ? Share the gospel to the people around the world? No, he says what? Make disciples. Right? That's a clear distinction, right? But we think just sharing, just putting the message out there is done. It's, it's, that's, that's evangelism. No, evangelism is actually what? Making disciples of people. Helping people to see the true meaning of the gospel preach and share the gospel with clarity and live out the gospel. We invite them and help them to digest the gospel and live in the gospel. That was the commission. Not just, oh, share the gospel. Well, then he could have been just, you know, somebody just get the huge speaker and just, Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Please believe in him or else. I mean, you can do that. But that's not what we're called to do. We are called to what? Yes, the proclamation is very important, but proclamation is a part of making disciples. That's why I know evangelism today is very difficult and hard. I know that a lot of you, you are trying your best to reach out to people. I understand. Keep doing so. It, through, it happens not only one-time thing that you share the gospel and all of a sudden mirror. I mean, so it can happen, but hardly, rarely, I know in our Western context, we have to build a relationship. We have to love them. We have to take care of them. We have to teach them. We have to kind of help them to understand whatever it takes. Meaning, making this, we'll talk about this, making disciples. We want to start a new series soon. But that's what sharing the gospel is. Why? Because gospel is not automatic. We need to respond with the faith. Thus, share the gospel with clarity. Amen. Let us not just expose people to the gospel. Let us teach them the gospel. Amen. Paul said this, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Let me ask you this as we, all went, as we went through these principles of the gospel. Are you ashamed of the gospel? Maybe in confusion, are we ashamed of the gospel? Maybe in depression, 
Are we ashamed of the gospel? It is my prayer we will live by the gospel, live for the gospel, because it is the power of God. Let us proclaim, exclaim, teach, share the gospel to the world. As Paul said, we are not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God. Amen.